Welcome to the GFN Philly 215 Questions Podcast, where two guys ask what the one thing is for five different questions to a GFN Philly member. The two guys asking the questions are Bowen Nahr and myself, Jim Murphy. Hey, Bowen, how's it going? Hey, Jimmy. We are pleased to welcome our guest, Christy Delmuto, Vice President of Strategic Marketing at LLR Partners. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, we're going to get through five questions here, and we'll start with the first one. What's the one thing from your story that's important for people to know? Guys, I'm a little offended that you haven't read my autobiography. So it's a bestseller. Come on. I'm an open book. No, just kidding. So tough one. I I was trying to think of something kind of from my childhood or growing up, but really what I think could be interesting and that I actually share with students or young people who are kind of in an early career when I have these types of conversations is that I think the outside world generally perceives me as pretty organized and I like to tackle things with a plan. But if I step back and I look at my career and life big picture, I don't have a plan. And I never really did. I never had a specific thing I wanted to be when I grow up. I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up and I'm in the middle of my career. I dove into public relations headfirst right out of college and I never expected that I would end up focusing much more on digital marketing. At the time, those two things were very, very separated. And I definitely didn't think I was going to end up in private equity. When people ask me pretty often how I ended up with a marketing job in private equity, I tell them it has nothing to do with the industry. I've never taken a finance class or Excel or accounting or any of that. But when I started in PR, LLR was my client. I got to understand the story and how to tell their story and how to represent their brand even before we really define the brand. I had good relationships with them. And so what I do today kind of evolved organically from there over a long period of time. Now, my ripe old age and all my all my wisdom and experience, you know, when I look back on that, you know, I'd say to others, like, you can end up in a really great place without a perfect plan and to not worry about it if you don't have a perfect plan, but just be really kind of thoughtful about the steps along the way. And to keep your eyes open for opportunities that like you may not totally know where they're going to take you. But if you have a good feeling about it, like that's the exciting part. And you just go for it. Did you take that from the Russell Conwell book, Acres of Diamonds? I know you're a Villanova grad. Well, get to your next question and I'll explain why. No, I didn't get it from that book. I just love that. I don't know. I'm stealing it from probably a rom-com or maybe one of those decorative framed things from a TJ Maxx, but life is what happens when you're busy planning, right? Like you could say, like no matter what Mm -hmm. it is you do, best laid plans, but life's going to give you whatever it is that it's going to give you and you got to make the best of it. That's a really good piece of advice, Christy. Thank you. Sure. Question number two, what's the one book recommendation you would have the listeners add to their 2021 Goodreads list? So I've read a lot more picture frames than I've read books. I didn't get any of that out of reading business books or life books or anything like that. And and I'm not necessarily proud of this, but one of my roommates told me in college that I was one of the smartest people she knew that never read the book. It just wasn't my MO. I was way more about participating in class and listening and taking in an insanely good notes that I could study off of for tests and stuff. So I'm not the biggest reader out there. It's always been a goal of mine to be to be a bigger reader, but for now, I'll stick to the to the picture frame quotes. But there is a book that I thought of, if you're someone who likes to hear sort of the story behind the story or how something came to be, whether that's a company, people love the how I built this podcast, a product, a song, I recommend a book called The Song Machine by John Seabrook, who is a writer from, I believe, The New Yorker. He looks at a number of big music hits from the 90s and the 2000s. So all my personal favorite pop songs and artists. And he looks at what 
what goes into making a hit song? Like what's the formula behind and kind of the science that triggers your brain to get hooked on a melody? And at the same time, like what's the business side of making like a massive commercial success out of that song with a ton of different examples from all kinds of different stars. It's mostly pop music. There's so many interesting stories in there weaved in about the relationships between the artists and the producers, the record companies, stories about how this song almost was recorded by somebody else, but they passed on it. And then this other artist who nobody knew, they recorded it and became their breakthrough. And I love that kind of stuff. So I'd recommend that as sort of a guilty pleasure, but also very interesting and informational. Love it. And and Jimmy and I are huge pop music guys. I mean, that's that's going to be, that'll have to move to the top of the list for both. Smithies over here, for sure. Question number three, what's the one place on your travel bucket list and why? The one place on my travel bucket list, gosh, after this past year, I really just want to sit on a beach on an island for a week and do absolutely nothing. But at the same time, this was supposed to be the perfect year to take my kids who are three and five to Disney World for the first time. And that's not happening. So I need to make up for that pretty soon. But bucket list wise, this experience of the past year and barely seeing anything of the world beyond my neighborhood, which I moved to a new neighborhood out of the city and into a new neighborhood on February 14th, 2020. So exactly one month before everything shut down. And I couldn't be more lucky to be in an amazing neighborhood. And I've certainly gotten to know it really well. But I feel like I need to like get out there and see like the vastness of the world, breathe air someplace else. And so to me, I'm really drawn to like national parks and canyons. I've been to Grand Canyon, and I've been to Sedona, but I want to get to like Bryce National Park and Zion and those places. That's the next thing on my bucket list for a big trip after Disney World. Maybe when they're a little bit older, you can do what my wife and I did, which was two years ago, we rented a car and we drove across country back and forth for three weeks. And we hit up about a dozen national parks. And it was one Mm -hmm. of the most amazing. I have socks from all the national parks. Zion is just you go there and you look at it and it's out of this world. A a slightly lesser known one uh, in Colorado is the Black Canyon of the Gunnison which is a bit of a drive away from anything. It's even cooler in my perspective than the Grand Canyon because it is a sheer cliff wall for almost a mile up and down. And you you can go right up to the top of it. It's a nervousness I've never felt. Add that to the list. My husband did a trip like this when he was maybe middle schooler and they drove like a vanigan around and slept in the back. We're not going to quite do that, but we'll we'll figure out our, our modern day version of that. Question number four, what's the one charity or cause you would recommend to the listeners? I actually had a personal goal in 2019 to find an organization that aligned with my personal interests and where I felt like I could really bring something new or unique to them as a supporter and a board member. I'd never done that before in terms of getting that involved in an organization. And it was the right sort of time and place in my life in order to, to do that. I have to say that the first thing I did was turn to my, my Philadelphia network and just sort of start seeding that idea out there to try to find the right thing, which was phenomenally helpful. And people brought some really interesting opportunities to me. What I landed on was an organization called Women Golfers Give Back which I was excited about for a couple different reasons. One, never heard of it. And I bet you no one in my network had heard of it either because even though it had been around for 20 years, it hadn't reached sort of the young professionals and and especially women who are in the local workforce 
and sort of the deal community, etc. But there's so much interest in there in golf and in supporting other women, especially younger women that I thought would be a great fit. Women Golfers Give Back has been raising money and providing grants to girls golf programs in Pennsylvania, New Jersey and Delaware. Like I said, for the last 20 years, we've been granting out $100,000 a year to support their programs. And it's really aimed at girls who are underrepresented in the golf community. And that could be by race, ethnicity, disability, or limited financial resources or general exposure to the sport. So through our grants, these girls are able to not just learn a sport that they can play for the rest of their lives. And regardless of where they end up in their careers or their personal lives, like they can use that both on a, on a personal and a business level. It gets them exercising, it gets them socializing. And there's a very specific focus on supporting programs that build self-esteem and confidence. This year in particular, it was amazing to hear the stories of the girls we granted in, in 2020 because golf was one of the only things they could do. They were sent home from school in the spring trying to deal with this sudden, you know, virtual school situation. All their other sports were canceled, other activities. But when a late spring, early summer, they were able to get back out on the golf course and hearing their stories at the end of the summer that was so important for them to have something to get excited about, have something to get out of the house. Some of them get to the point where they play in these tournaments and they get invited to these bigger national tournaments. And it's just really exciting. So I'm involved in that organization. One of my goals is to bring it to the kind of Philadelphia business community where there isn't a lot of visibility right now. Um, So again, it's called Women Golfers Give Back. We have a big fundraising tournament in June, which companies or individuals can sponsor or simply donate and play. You said building self-esteem on the golf course. That's usually the opposite for me after 18. What's particularly remarkable about golf and giving golf as a tool to these women is as someone that does not golf, I know how big an impediment that can be to doing any type of business development, right? Or mm-hmm. how having those connections. So it's not just that you're teaching them a sport that's awesome and that they can do even in social distancing, but it gives them an ability to connect with the power players that are around. Being able to tie that in with your business connections is going to be awesome. Right. And I saw that firsthand. I mean, I spent some years in the the middle of my LLR experience focused more on business development, which is how I met you guys and, and the broader you know GFN network and so many amazing people. But golf was a really big part of that. And I realized very quickly that as a woman, you know, saying that I that I played golf didn't matter how good I was because I'm not that good. But I was willing to get out there and try and play my role. And the more you play, the more you get better. Starting to learn that at an early age and being comfortable going out on the golf course with your male counterparts is a huge step in being able to, you know, use golf as part of your business development and personal network development. Accessibility, exactly where it's at. And the last question, given the recent limitations with meeting people in person, what's your one tip for successful networking these days? At this point, we can stop looking for like a magic solution and just need to embrace this kind of what I'll call a current normal, temporary normal for what it is. To me, that means kind of no more apologizing for not having a great background or having kids or dogs in the background, just owning it and dealing with whatever the tricky thing is about your situation. There are small steps you can take towards maybe not looking like you're sitting in the dark when you're on a Zoom call. But at the same time, like it is what it is and and accept it for yourself and whoever's on the other end. And you've no idea what they're dealing with six inches off camera. So staying flexible on that front realizing that people are getting really sick of sitting on Zoom calls all day and you may be just kind of dropping a conference line or a direct dial into your calendar invite instead every once in a while is very appreciated. I've noticed even this short bit into 2021, I I find some relief when I can just do a phone call. 
I think everyone could appreciate being unapologetic in whatever your situation is. And that if you're trying to do some online networking, good for you for doing online networking. Don't apologize. A call is kind of nice every once in a while. So you're not staring at the green dot on your computer. Right. And it gives you a chance to take the call outside or take the call while you're walking your dog. So at least you're kind of accomplishing two things at once. We're all just trying to blend this work situation into our home life, whatever that looks like. And the more we can make that feasible for each other, the better. That's what the other thing you're teaching the the young women how to golf and how to do the power move of I got to take this call. I got to step away for a second. No calls on the golf course. I don't golf. I don't know how it works. All right. Well, Christy, we appreciate you coming on the GFN Philly 215 Questions Podcast. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Thank you, Christy.